You're listening to the Rec2Tech podcast. We connect the tech thought leaders across the globe to deliver content that allows you to make better career and hiring decisions. Hi guys, welcome to the relocation event. Um, my name's Alicia, I'm from Darwin, um, and we're all going to kind of go around and introduce ourselves to begin with. Hello there, um, my name is uh, Jan, I am the editor for Switzerland at I Am Expat, and I uh, live in Zurich. Yeah, my name is Alexander, I'm key account manager at uh, Darwin Recruitment, and uh, yeah, basically I live in Switzerland since March, so recently relocated. Cool. So to start with, we're going to go through some kind of general information um, around kind of the, the demographics and, and who's involved. Um, I think, Alexander, you've got you've got some information surrounding um, some of the people and, and who signed up. Yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. Uh, we have over 150 signups at the moment. And uh, it's yeah, what 65 percent of them are traveling uh, with families as well. So they're also looking uh, to relocate with families. Quite interesting. Um, yeah, let's kick it off uh, with uh, yeah the first uh, yeah questions uh, for Jan. Uh, Jan, yeah, what are your top five tips uh, when you relocate uh, with a family uh, to Switzerland? Indeed. So it's always very exciting when you're moving with a family, and it also means that there are loads of different things that you need to consider. Um, most notably, you need to apply for a residence permit for every member of your family, which means it can be a slightly longer process than if you were uh, applying as an individual. In terms of my top five tip, uh, tips, I would say if you have children and you're moving to the country with children, it's very important to plan your school choices in advance. So if you are a family, uh, who speaks predominantly English, English, for example, then it is especially vital that you have to look into an international school that speaks English or, or a private school that speaks English. And often they can take several months to apply for, and there are occasionally waiting lists. So I would say that when you're looking at school choices, you should have a first, a second and a third option. Uh, personally, it took me a year to get into my uh, international school that I went to as a kid, as a kid and uh, that's an experience shared by loads of different people. Also, if you have younger children, it's important to consider whether a Swiss school or a bilingual school is, is preferred for you. If you think that they can learn the language of your canton, so be it German, French, Italian, and in, to a significantly lesser extent, Romance, um, then uh, then you can consider that as well. In terms of the second one, things. Uh, one of the interesting points for Switzerland is every single member of your family who lives in Switzerland needs to take out health insurance. It should be the number one priority, uh, particularly when you're moving to Switzerland with a family. Even children need health insurance, so make sure you take that out before you move to the country. Um, for the third one, I would say choose your accommodation with your future family in mind. Now, uh, anyone who has tried to apply for accommodation in Zurich 
Bern, Geneva, Lausanne, the popular expats destinations, if you will, know that it's quite a challenge to find the right accommodation for your needs. In fact, the housing situation is such that most expats spend their entire time in Switzerland in one accommodation because of how difficult it is to find the right accommodation for you. So if you in the future are planning to either have some more children or you're expecting other members of your family to join you in Switzerland, then make sure to plan that ahead. Because if you have space for them at the start, then it will save you the hassle of having to move and the hassle of having to find another piece of accommodation. Fourth, uh, I would say engage with local societies, especially if you have children. Now, uh, it's an experience shared by many expats and internationals that move to Switzerland that having uh, it can be difficult to integrate, especially if you don't uh, have an understanding of German, once again, German, French, Italian and Romance. And a good way to do that is to engage in local clubs. So personally, when I was a young lad and I didn't speak much German, uh, my parents and, uh, and I, we joined the crossbow shooting club and um, they were more than happy to have me there, even though my understanding of German was limited, it can be a great way to integrate into that community and build the ties that will keep you in Switzerland, hopefully, in the future. And uh, my fifth one is when you have family, as I say, there's a lot of bureaucratic processes to come and live in Switzerland. Therefore, I would recommend taking a look seeing whether a relocation agent is a possible for your situation. Um, and that would mean anything from a securing your residence permit to health insurance, cars and all of that. Um, it uh, makes the process a lot easier. I personally have moved to Switzerland twice now, first as a child where we had a relocation agent and then second again as, a, uh, as an adult in 2020. And I can assure you that the first time was easier than the second time. Um, so, yeah, th that would definitely be my five tips. Perfect. Um, so I think now we've got some questions that have been asked from the audience um, and kind of different things surrounding relocation in general. Um, so it, these will be directed at a mixture of both Jan and Alexander. Um, but starting off, we've got a question from Dr. Rashil um, in terms of what are the pros and cons of relocating to Switzerland? So maybe if we could go to Jan first um, and you could let us know what your thoughts are. Mm. So um, in terms of pros, uh, there's a fairly clear one. Switzerland is regularly voted as the best place to live um, for expats and locals regularly by several different studies. Uh, and that is reinforced by an incredibly high quality of life in terms of uh, the salary that you can expect to earn while in Switzerland to the quality of social and public services. Uh, and the natural environment as well has an excellent benefit in, to, in that regard, which means that you can expect to have a healthier and arguably better lifestyle in Switzerland than you would expect in other countries. Um, this is reinforced by an excellent school system. Um, Swiss, the Swiss school system is very proficient. Um, and we will be talking about the school system, of course, uh, in the future, so I'll just leave it at that. And of course, international schools are very competent as well. Public transport, 
Um, it's, it's a very popular topic on IMX expat, but uh, Switzerland is famous for having one of the densest and most efficient public transport networks in the world. Uh, and that means that people who can't drive, like me, uh, can easily see the uh, different parts of the country with ease. In fact, during 2020, during the pandemic, um, the rules here were such that you could travel, but not too far. Uh, and with the public transport networks, I saw parts of the country that are you would never really expect to see. And it was very, very pretty and an excellent boost to uh, what was quite a difficult time. And finally, in terms of pros, the climate. Uh, Switzerland is uh, quite cold during the winter, uh, but that means that there is a lot of snow up in the mountains. So if you're like skiing, hiking and things like that, that's very beneficial. Then in the summer, uh, it, it goes up to 25 to 28 and sometimes even into the 30s, which means that you are able to go for a swim in the local lake and that kind of thing, which is all, uh, I suppose you could round that all up into quality of life that you understand. Uh, the cons, I'm sure Alexander will agree with me here, but the cost of living in Switzerland is very high. I'm sure tourists who come to Switzerland will be surprised and sometimes shocked by how expensive things are, which makes it all the more important that if you're looking to live here in Switzerland, you need to have a job that can um, guarantee you a positive, a, po a positive quality of life in Switzerland. Accommodation costs in the major cities are extremely high, uh, especially in Zurich and Geneva, especially as a, per uh, as a single person, uh, it's difficult to find accommodation at a competitive price. The immigration processes, which I will discuss in a moment, are very restrictive in terms of people who aren't from the, uh, from the European Union, I say. Uh, as I will explain later, such as job requirements for residents and uh, other factors like that. And finally, the language barrier is, uh, is an issue. Occasionally, uh, we will once again speak about this later, but um, it's important to bear in mind that there is going to be, once you leave the larger cities, there will be a language barrier that if you don't know one of the languages, you will have to overcome. Um, and then Alexander, what would you say is uh, your pros and cons? Yeah, Jan, you discussed a lot. <laughs> so uh, <laughs> I almost do have nothing to say, but um, yeah, one of the pros is that every um, Canton within Switzerland has its own rules uh, and also um, yeah, cost of living, of course. So uh, you can also uh, look at the taxes, uh, of course, uh, which is better for you, but also how much uh, home costs and also uh, the language. Uh, Canton of Zurich is quite international, so a lot of people speak their English. Uh, you can uh, yeah, be next to the expats and also go to networking events there. But they are also yeah, much more old school countryside uh, place, Switzerland, if you prefer that to live, which is also cheaper than Zurich, for instance. Yeah, of course, the cons, uh, the, the cost of living. <laughs> it's, uh, yeah, and of course, it, it's also the best to learn uh, German or French when you're in the German or the French cantons. So uh, yeah, that's shortly about the pros and cons. Um, and I think that kind of we've also got a cost of living calculator um, that we'll pop a link to in the chat as well that's on our website um, and we also offer out an online market update um, which helps to kind of compare salaries that we can post a link to as well that can be really helpful for 
people making that relocation change. Um, which actually leads us nicely into the next question from Sushil um, about what is the salary and the cost of living like compared to the Netherlands? Um, and what about that work-life balance? Um, so Alex, maybe this one would be one for you and, and Jan, you can kind of let us know your thoughts as well. If we start with Alex, would that be all right? Yeah. Great. Uh, yeah, good to know. I lived in the Netherlands uh, my whole life. So uh, I worked in Amsterdam as well uh, before moving to Switzerland in March. Uh, in terms of salaries, uh, it's better here. So uh, you can expect a double salary compared to the Netherlands. And also looking at the canton where you live, um, yeah, the tax can be quite low. There are some cantons with higher tax, but compared to the Dutch tax, it's uh, much lower as well uh also yeah good to know uh, it's, it's more expensive than the netherlands uh, but the inflation in switzerland on a swiss franc is uh, one of the best in the world so one of the lowest and the euro yeah it's a bit more inflation like so yeah for the long term it's uh it's much better to earn here your money than there uh looking at the yeah work-life balance um yeah generally uh, the clients that i have contact with offer contracts for 42 hours uh, a week and also offer uh, yeah, home office uh, two to three days a week. So it's quite the same as the Netherlands, uh, only yeah, you work two or more hours on paper uh, in Switzerland than in the Netherlands, but uh, nothing special about it, to be honest. Pretty much the same, like Germany as well, Netherlands. So uh, yeah, that's about it. Yes, indeed. You've certainly hit the nail on the head there. Uh, I just have some uh, some data from the Federal Statistical Office to back up what you've said. So the average salary for someone in Switzerland, so taking the entire population together, is 6,500 Swiss francs a month. So at current exchange rate, that's about 6,500 euros a month, uh, which of course is significantly higher than uh, the Netherlands. Uh, in terms of minimum wages, which give you a good gauge of what sort of range we should be talking about here. Uh, the um, minimum wage can range anywhere, depending on which canton it is. Only a few cantons have a minimum wage. It can range from 19, the equivalent of 19 euros a month, uh, uh, an hour even, <laughs> an hour, uh, to, right up to 23, which is in Geneva. Now, of course, that is because the cost of living is extremely high in uh, in these cities. And while taxes agreed are lower than they are in the Netherlands, the cost, I would argue, is is make, brings it back up to that level. Um, so, yeah, I think that that really highlights how it's very important that when you move to Switzerland, it's important to secure yourself a role that allows you to uh, live in Switzerland comfortably. Perfect. Um, we now move on to the next question from Fred. Um, and he's asking, how does the family work visa differ from the individual in terms of processing? Um, and how much longer does that take? And what more is involved? If we head to Jan for this one. Mm, indeed. So uh, I'm going to take it as a residence permit. So once, uh, So a residence permit for all of your family. As I mentioned before, applying as a family will take longer naturally because every single member of your family that wants to come and live in Switzerland needs a residence permit, which they can apply for at their local council or Gemeinde, as it would be in German. Um, you, in terms of moving with children, you will need to uh, prove for a fact that they are your dependents. That means that they rely on you still for your in, uh, for 
they rely on your income in order to stay and live in Switzerland. This is usually proved, once again, it does depend on the canton, but it's usually proved by a birth certificate if they are young children. And once they have reached the age of maturity, proof that they are studying at high school, a university or a college, so they are still relying on your income there. Beyond, those are the only additional um, factors that you need to consider, as well as making sure that each and every one of them has health insurance. I cannot stress that enough. That, that is required for it. But beyond it taking slightly longer because it is the, the equivalent of applying for five residence permits as opposed to two, there isn't much difference between them. Great, great. And we've got another one for you, Jan, as well, um, mm. from Nava Prasad from Finland. Um, and he said, what level of social services is provided by the government? Mm, yes, thank you very much. So there are a number of social security services that expats and people wanting to come to the country should be made aware of. They're all under an umbrella called AHV, which is basically the social security system. Uh, the, there are a number. First of all is disability insurance. So if you are disabled or have been made disabled, the government will provide a subsidy either for your medical costs or if uh, you are unable to work, they will provide a subsidy for for your income and that is available to expats. Then there is the Swiss family allowance. So for every dependent child you have or every dependent young person that is still in education, uh, you will be given a set amount per month. It, it varies by canton, but it usually is around 300 to 500 Swiss francs per dependent child per month. So it's, it's quite generous in that way. Um, in terms of maternity leave in Switzerland, once again, it depends on the canton, but it's between 14 and 16 weeks. An interesting quirk about Switzerland is that that leave starts uh, after the, uh, the, the mother has given birth. So you are either expected to work up to the moment when you give birth or take, take sick leave accordingly, uh, which is an interesting quirk. Uh, then in terms of unemployment benefits. So there is unemployment benefit. Every Swiss resident uh, who has been employed for at least 12 months in the last two year period is able to claim unemployment insurance. Uh, so long as that job had you earning more than 500 Swiss francs per month, which is quite unlikely if you earn less than that. Um, there also for those who earn 2,259 Swiss francs a month as a single person, or 3,990 Swiss francs if you are a family, uh, with two with two adults and two children, you will be able to apply for welfare and emergency benefits, which are are designed to supplement your income. But you will be expected to pay back those benefits once you achieve, achieve a certain salary. Uh, it's important to bear in mind, though, that these unemployment and welfare benefits are tied to employment. So in certain cases, when you are not a member of the, if you are not an EU, EEA or EFTA citizen, as I will explain in a moment, uh, your residence permit is based on the fact that you are working. So if it comes up for renewal and you are claiming unemployment benefits, you risk losing your residence permit and your right to stay in Switzerland. Um, and from uh, Mergim as well, I think he wants just a little bit of advice um, in terms of some extra information and relocating from his country um, and it is still isolated so they can't move freely into the UK, Yeah, into the EU, I apologise. Um, and so Jan, have you got any advice for him? 
Yes, I'm, uh, thank you very much for asking the question, first of all, and I'm going to use it to talk about who is able to come to Switzerland and who isn't. So I'll start with members, citizens who are from the European Union, European Economic Area and European Free Trade Association are able to come to Switzerland to look for work. They're able to stay for uh, up, to, up to six, between six and nine months, but must apply for a residence permit uh, to remain in the country after three months. Of course, if you already have a job agreed and you are an EU citizen, you are able to come freely. EU um, citizens are also able to enter Switzerland without a visa, although there are some countries from outside the bloc, such as the United Kingdom, who have agreements that where you can enter visa-free and stay for up to 90 days. For people who are non-EU, non-EEA, non-EFTA citizens, including those from the United Kingdom, you are counted, unfortunately, as a third country national. That means that you can't come to Switzerland to look for work, and in order to remain in Switzerland for more than 90 days, you will need an agreed job contract with an employer. Um, that has to be agreed between the employer and the state and will require you to prove a number of things. So if your job is in German or French, you will have to prove that you are certified to speak that language. Uh, if it is a specialist position, you will need to provide proof that you have the competence for it through a university degree or other qualification and other things like that. So to take the example of Kosovo, Kosovo unfortunately counts as a third country, meaning that Kosovo citizens are unable to come and live in Switzerland without an entry visa and a job offer. So um, the employer will sort out your, your job offer at which you will then be able to use to apply for a residence permit. And you will also need to personally apply for an entry visa, which is the equivalent of a Schengen visa. So it would give you 90 days uh, travel in the Schengen area. So in the case of Kosovo, you can apply for your entry visa at the embassy or consulate of Switzerland. In this case, it would be in Pristina. Um, and we've got another one from Zel Zelenin um, from Russia. Um, and what documents are needed for relocation if he currently has a Cypriot residence card? This again is a very useful question, which I will use to describe more generally so that uh, people have, have a better idea about it. Uh, in terms of applying for residency in Switzerland, so applying for a residence permit in Switzerland, it's based on your citizenship, your nationality, not where you are resident. So, uh, for example, in this case, um, if you have a Cypriot residence card and you're from outside the European Union, you're able to, most likely able to travel to Switzerland for up to 90 days, but you wouldn't have the same rights as an EU citizen in applying for work or remain or, or remaining in the country and not having a, a job contract, unfortunately. So if in the case where you are a resident of another European nation, you are able to uh, come to Switzerland for a short period of time, but you're unable to work, or at least you're, you're, you have to apply for a Switzerland-specific residence permit. Okay, perfect. Um, I'm moving on to the next question from Naraj, who is based in Sweden, um, and he's asked, how can we handle dependent visa for a spouse who is a non-EU national and the main applicant is an EU national? Mm, indeed. So, uh, in this case, it will be it will depend on your job status. So if 
you are an EU national and you come to Switzerland looking for a job, you are able to bring your spouse and dependents who are not EU nationals. They will have to apply for a entry visa, though, if they're part of the countries that need one. Um, additionally, what you need to do is you need to prove that you have the financial means to support you yourself and those dependents while living in the country. Um, this can usually be done through a bank statement, uh, a certificate of in income, that sort of thing. Um, if uh, so, if that is if you are looking for work in Switzerland, if you come to Switzerland with a job, there shouldn't be a problem. Once again, they, they will have the ability to come with you. You'll simply have to prove that they are your dependents or your family members, which can be proved through a marriage certificate, uh, birth certificates if they are children and so on and so forth. So that shouldn't be an issue. Sudhir uh, um, has also asked a question. So he is Indian nationality, but currently living in the USA on a H-1B visa. How easy would that be to, for him to relocate to Switzerland? Mm, right, it's an interesting question and uh, it, it also made me look up what US visa laws are. So, um, and I think it's a great opportunity to, to maybe speak more positively about your chances to come to Switzerland. I feel like the way I, I, I have had to answer these previous questions make it sound like it's an impossible venture. It, no, it certainly is not. So in for a H-1B visa, which is a specialty occupation, so a specialist in something, uh, a recent report that we reported in IMXPAD in the news was that there was a record number of jobs available in Switzerland. Uh, at one point, there were a quarter of a million vacancies uh, in, in the country and uh, they will need to be filled. And in most cases, because of the way the Swiss education system is designed, where not everyone goes to university, it's as actually smaller than it is in the UK and other countries, uh, th those specialist roles will need to be filled by expats from the EU and of course overseas. So in this case, uh, if you are Indian and have USA uh, are here on an American visa, then the American visa won't help you as such. But the sheer fact that you have that visa means that you are able to, you are most likely a professional and a specialist who I'm sure you'll be able to speak to the fact that specialist jobs are available in Switzerland for people like that. Perfect. I'm going to throw things back over to Alexander now, who's going to kick us off with some languages. Yes. Yeah, we have also a question from uh, Somnath uh, from the Netherlands. Uh, how to integrate in Switzerland if I don't know the, the German language? I've just started to learn. Yeah, that's not really a problem uh, here in Switzerland. It really depends also where you live and where you work. If you work at uh, larger uh, corporates, uh, international corporates in Switzerland, they are mainly English speaking. Of course, it helps a lot, but you also can speak uh, German. It just opens up more doors. Uh, but if you live uh, in a large city like Zurich, uh, Geneva, uh, maybe even Lucerne, uh, it's uh, yeah quite common that people speak their uh, English as well. Also, the younger generation, and also yeah how to integrate. Uh, I really recommend to uh, yeah go also to the networking events uh, for expats. Uh, go also to uh, yeah the Facebook groups. There are a lot of people also organizing things there. And there are also applications such as uh, Meetup, uh, so where people organize sport events, IT events, uh, networking events, etc. So feel free to have a yeah look at there. So if you don't speak German, not a big problem, but it helps. 
Yes, uh, well, yes, I'll uh, I'll add on to that. I think that uh, when I first arrived in Switzerland in 2007, there was even in Zurich there was an expectation that you were supposed to speak German, and quite a lot of that I think is is eased if you make the effort or you try to speak German. You're, Alexander is right in saying that we, when you're in Zurich uh, and you walk down the main streets, uh, you're likely to hear more English than you do German um, uh, on many days. But uh, which means that in those larger centres, you'll be fine in terms of speaking just English. But in certain situations, particularly those when it comes to administrative matters, so when applying for your residence permit, for example, it's very helpful to try and speak in the language of your canton of residence. Uh, and it's just having the confidence to do that, because even if it's slightly broken, uh, broken German, uh, it will be appreciated and they will respond more positively than if you just immediately started to speak in English. Um, and you're also right in saying that once you leave Zurich, Geneva, Lausanne, Bern, Basel, the larger cities, uh, English becomes more limited, but not it doesn't disappear. So it's, it's very, yeah, it's very easy to uh, stay in the country with only a limited amount of German. What there's um, another question kind of based for all of us, really. Um, what's life like there if you can only speak English? Life's quite nice here. <laughs> also, <laughs> only speak English. Yeah, the quality of life remains. Uh, but yeah, as mentioned, it's um, yeah, it's, it's not very different because we have a quite a big uh, expat uh, community here. So you can live basically only on uh, English. Uh, but it's also great and much appreciated from the local Swiss people if you also speak uh, the language of the canton where, canton where they live. So, uh, yeah, it's, it's very helpful when you speak your German or get mm. lost here somewhere in the mountains. But that's uh, another situation. Mm. Uh, I couldn't agree more. I, I couldn't agree more. I would say that uh, the quality of life here, especially if you're in the expat community and if you live if you live in certain areas of Zurich, it's a very present quality of life and German uh, German is not a mandatory thing, but especially if your work doesn't require uh, understanding of German either. There are, uh, I'm sure once again, you'll speak about this later, but there are companies in, in Zurich where English is the primary language spoken and German is kind of an, an afterthought in a way. But uh, yeah, it's li life speak only speaking English. I think you could, you could, you could get by by not speaking any German whatsoever. Uh, in fact, that <laughs> there are several occasions where you speak in German, in high German, and they respond in English, and you're in this awkward situation where you're speaking broken German and you're getting English back. Uh, so I think that describes the situation quite well. We're going to move on to um, banking now uh, uh, and kind of looking into this element of things. Um, and we've got a question from Jamino from Spain um, about what paperwork is required to get um, a local bank account. Um, so if we can head to Jan for this one. Indeed. Uh, so uh, applying and opening a bank account in Switzerland is relatively stress free, especially if you pick one of the larger banks uh, that have services in English. So Credit Suisse, UBS, Raiffeisen, uh, the, uh, these ones will have services in English and online as well, which is quite a new phenomenon for Switzerland, at least, uh, having banking things online. Uh, in terms of the documents that you need for it, if you are applying for a local bank account, so not from overseas, you will need uh, two forms of identification. 
So through an ID, a passport, a driver's license, you'll need your residence permit to prove that you are in fact resident. Uh, uh, a housing or rental contract can help you here as well. Uh, and beyond that, uh, that's, that's basically it. Um, Swiss banks are uh, very famous for providing a number of services to their clients and um, yeah, they're able to set things up quite quickly. But the most important thing is that you are a resident and you have a place where they can send your cards and your statements to you by the post. So once you've found your place to stay, it's quite easy. Perfect. Um, we're going to move on now to um, kind of the recruitment side of things. So this will be based more towards me and Alexander. Um, and to kick things off, we've got a question from Mohammed from Algeria um, about what the, the tech recruitment market is like in Switzerland at the moment. Um, uh, do you want me to kick it off? <laughs> yeah. Um, I was, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I'd say, you know, things are things are still moving uh, at the moment as it's getting down through to Christmas. Things are naturally slowing down. But what I would say is, you know, companies are still hiring and wanting to have those conversations kind of ready to to start the new year in a fresh light. So don't feel like because Christmas is coming, it's it's not the right time to make a move. Um, we've definitely still got a lot of companies hiring and I'm, I'm sure Alexander has the same as well. Um, so, yeah, I would say things are, are moving quite quickly how have you found things yeah the market's very active uh, from my side so uh, looking at the financial clients especially larger ones uh, it's uh, in the last years uh, after the pandemic very active uh, there's a big shortage of uh, local tech talent so they're also open to um, yeah let people come to switzerland and work there uh, so that's uh, that's how it is there yeah there's more demand than, than people available in switzerland so let's keep it uh, that way short so Mahir from Bosnia has also asked, what's the easiest way to immigrate to Switzerland as a software engineer? Alexander, have you got any thoughts on that one? Yeah, any thoughts? Um, yeah, it's really important to have the right experience to find also a company uh, who wants also to hire you. Uh, when you have the contract in, then it's important, of course, to start looking for an apartment to make sure the paperwork is ready uh, to get a permit as well. Uh, and that's basically the easiest way. So it really starts uh, with the right job and having also the right qualifications uh, to come to Switzerland. And uh, yeah, it also helps a lot when you speak the local language as well. Uh, English is a must, uh, German sometimes as well. So I agree, I completely agree. It's, it's pretty straightforward. It all kind of seems to stem from the job, doesn't it? Um, and then kind of waterfall from there. Um, Miki from Australia has asked us, uh, what is the process of finding a job in Switzerland? Um, what comes first, the job or the visa? Um, and we've kind of covered this a little bit, but obviously, um, so it's it's easier to find a job first. And then with that moving forward, it's a lot easier to get a visa. Um, and I think that's, that's that. <laughs> yeah. Um, so we've got another question from... Ristic, um, who's based in Serbia, um, most companies are looking for candidates who already have visas. Um, is there a way to get a visa without company support? Um, Alexander, have you got any thoughts on that one? Yeah, it's more difficult. So uh, if you have a job uh, which you applied for, also for the long term, it's uh, easy. But without a job, it gets difficult. Um, yeah, there are technical ways you can do it. Probably Yen can also uh, assist in it. I think if you find a beautiful partner here 
and she's or he's Swiss. Uh, you can probably make it happen to come to Switzerland without a job, but uh, I think uh, the chances are narrow. So I will try uh, to do it uh, the job way. And uh, yeah. Yes, def definitely. If you're from, if you're a European citizen, then coming to Switzerland is relatively straightforward. But if you're not from the European Union or the econo European economic area, you need to come with a job or try Alexandra's <laughs> uh, interesting technique for that. And it's also important to say that uh, yeah, non-EU citizens uh, applying for work there, uh, there is a quota system for non-EU citizens, uh, which is relative is often mentioned in the media, but in practice, most of the time, uh, the quota system doesn't really get in the way uh, as much as you would expect. Perfect. Um, and Sergio from Finland um, has asked us about having an idea about current salaries. Um, she, sorry, worded that wrong. He said he's got an idea about current salaries, but an update would be good. Um, you can check those out on our online market updates, which we can post in the chat now. Um, but I would definitely say as well, if you're speaking to a recruitment advisor or somebody helping you in finding a role, they should be able to help advise you on what the current market's looking like um, and where you stand in terms of your experience and what kind of salary you should be looking for. Um, and it's always good to ask around and and do your own research as well um, just to make sure that you've got a really well-rounded understanding of, of what it is you might need. Um, Alexandra, have you got any further information on that for us? Um, yeah, yeah. You, you can Google most of the things. So there are multiple websites uh, which will pop up if you type in uh, the salary, of course, of the profession that you want to proceed in uh, and, of course, the years. And you can also look uh, yeah, per canton uh, what the average are. So uh, also if you are yeah, looking in Zurich, for instance, uh, you can find basically software engineer or Java developer uh, salaries in Zurich. Uh, it will pop up and it will also show you the averages uh, with most of the time a tax calculator. So that's uh, what I always do when I'm looking for an average. So Google is uh, most of the time the answer. Isabella has also sent us over a question in regards to how she should tailor her CV for the European market, um, which is something we can help with. We've got a Canva template of which you guys can use. Um, we'll pop a link to that in the chat as well. Um, but Jan or Alexandra, have you got any thoughts on how somebody could tailor their CV to make sure it's appropriate in the uh, European market? Yeah, yeah, make, make sure. Um... Yeah, as always, to make it look professional, so uh, not too much much colors uh, as well in the CV and mm -hmm. keep everything uh, as short and effective as possible. So if you have a long CV, try to keep it in two pages and uh, use a lot of bullet points, of course, to summarize uh, your experience. Uh, feel free also to add some general information, of course, at the country where you're from, uh, your visa status, uh, your passport. It also helps uh, moving to Switzerland. Uh, because, because as Jan has explained, you need also to have your most of the time, most of the time EU passport. So uh, yeah, moving to Switzerland and applying makes it a bit easier uh, that way. Definitely, definitely. I, I, I'm, my, my main advice in that regard in Switzerland is try not to waste the employer's time. You've got to imagine in your head that they're going through hundreds and in large companies, thousands of applications for these for these jobs and if you uh you need to make sure that they're hooked from the first line so you need to make sure that it's as alexander said it was streamlined uh and uh, things like that and it 
in Switzerland, as you say, residence is such an important factor. Uh, it should always be listed there uh, when you're applying when you're applying for it, because as as they say, uh, if you already have a permit to live in Switzerland, that's one less bureaucratic hurdle they have to overcome. Overcome. I think as well to add to that, Jan, is um, having your education on your CV is something that I've come across quite a lot with clients that I work with, um, because for some people they need, um, say, for example, a bachelor's degree in order for them to to go forward in that process. So if you've got that already on your CV, um, it just makes things that little bit easier and, and kind of get over a, another hurdle, so to speak. Um, we've also got a question from Leo, who's based in Italy, and I think this was quite a popular question that came up a lot. Um, and how easy is it to get sponsorship for a tech role? Alexander, should we throw that to you? Yeah, yeah, it's quite easy uh, when you're hired, of course. So you need to first apply. Uh, the company uh, needs to accept you uh, as well. You will go most of the time two or three rounds uh, in the interview process. And when you get hired and get the job, uh, then it's only a case of getting the paperwork done. Uh, so it can go very fast, especially when you're in a yeah, quite a niche tech sector with a lot of demand in Switzerland. Uh, then it can go pretty fast. Uh, but yeah, it, it also really depends on the job that you're looking for, uh, your qualification as well, and uh, yeah, of course, the languages that you speak. Perfect. Jan, have you got any further thoughts on that one? No, I think I think that's yeah. that's exactly all right. covered. <laughs> um, and one for all of us: Is it possible to relocate um, for a tech role without any sponsorship? Um, Jan, do you have any thoughts on that one? Um, so, as I said before, um, you are able to relocate without uh, a sponsorship, as, as, as it's been phrased here, if you are from the European Union. If you're not, uh, then you are able to, I suppose, apply for a visa to stay for 90 days. But ultimately, if you don't secure that role, you won't be able to remain and keep applying for, for roles. So sponsorship is very important, dependent on your nationality. Um, and I think we're going to throw things over to Alexander for the next segment um, regarding housing. Yeah, yeah, we got a question for Gimeno uh, from Spain. Uh, he asked what paperwork is required to secure a flat and how long uh, does it typically take? Uh, what are the common issues as well? So, uh, yeah, to get a flat in uh, Switzerland, it's a bit different than from uh, normally if you look for a flat in Germany or in uh, Europe in general. Uh, you need to apply for a, a rental apartment, uh, basically. And that can take up uh, multiple applications. Uh, what they mainly ask you to have is um, a working contract, uh, a valid working permit. So this could be a B permit, a C permit. Uh, Swiss bank accounts and also uh, prove that you have no outstanding debt or outstanding uh, costs that you need to be paid uh, before moving into the apartments, uh, which you need to have a paper of as well. Yeah, how long does it take? Uh, in, in Zurich, it takes long. So you can think of uh, a couple of weeks, uh, but also a couple of months is easy possible. Uh, but if you yeah, just tip, uh, if you're looking outside of Zurich, there are a lot of interesting villages uh, which you can live with a very good train connection. Uh, of maximum 30 minutes uh, and there it's a lot cheaper and a lot easier to find a house uh, so that's uh, yeah it really depends on, on your taste and preferences indeed uh, yes and uh, i could add a couple of things to that first of all uh, it's also important to bear in mind that every swiss canton has a, a move in and a move out day which is up to three times a year so if 
you are moving into a vacant apartment, so an apartment that hasn't been lived in, you need to wait for that date in order to move in. If you are swapping leases, so if someone is leave, uh, living there and you just swap like that, you don't need to follow those move-in days. Also, if you have children and or animals, specifically pets, they will most likely require some form of liability contents insurance uh, as well as in order to conclude the rental contract. But uh, yes, otherwise, bang on. Very good. Cool. Um, I think we've also got a question from Cesare from Poland about what are the common requirement requirements um, from landlords to secure a flat? I think that one's for you, Jan. Indeed. So I think we covered uh, a fair few of them then, but uh, what a rental contract will traditionally include would be a monthly rent that you have to pay in addition to any maintenance or service fees that may be charged for heating, water. It really does depend on the tenant and the landlord because there is no strict criteria for a rental contract. They're always agreed between the landlord or the letting company in some cases and the tenant, but they usually include overall rent, maintenance costs, any processing fees and that sort of thing. Details of a rental deposit. So a rental deposit usually accounts to one month to three months rent, uh, depend once again, depending on the landlord. And that will be used when you move out, if there's any damage to the apartment or there's anything that needs maintaining or fixing, that will be sourced from the, the rental deposit. Um, a number of other factors may also be included through the landlord's requirements in the contract, including stuff like uh, privileges. So if there's a set curfew for using certain household items. So for example, at our, in, in the apartment where I live, we have a curfew for when you can use uh, the dishwasher and the dryer. Um, and it's nothing extreme, but it's usually around 10 p.m. or 11 p.m. Uh, and also any privileges in terms of shared spaces. So if there's a laundry room, a games room, what your rights are uh, around that and what you need to do to maintain the space. Um, but yeah, as I say, it's a very flexible system, which is very much up to the landlord to determine what they want to include in the contract. We've got Stacey here from the UK and she's asked us, what is the safest way to, to rent an apartment over in Switzerland? Mm, it's a very interesting question, that very interesting uh, indeed. Uh, and it's a quite, well, quite important, a quite important question indeed. So I've got five top tips um, for renting, looking for an apartment safely in Switzerland that I'd like to share. The first one is do not rent a Bastel Realm or a Parkplex. Uh, uh, do not assume that that is a rental accommodation. So a Bastel Realm is the equivalent of a games room and it's illegal for someone to live in a Bastel Realm. And additionally, if it says it's a park platz, it would be great to live if you were an Audi or a BMW, but unfortunately people can't live there because <laughs> park platz is obviously a parking space. So if you see a rent in Zurich that seems very cheap, so 700 to 800 francs a month, uh, and you see it's a park platz, do not assume you can live there. It's just for a parking space. Second one, if you do plan to live in shared accommodation, as many young entrepreneurs and young business people do in the larger Swiss cities, make sure you meet your housemates before you move in. Um, it's a, a very communal, it's a very communal system, of course, shared accommodation. And not only will you have to like to know who you're renting with to make sure there aren't any 
conflicts of interest or things that you're unsure about, they would like to meet you as well. So to make sure that if you do end up moving in, there's a positive relationship already in place before you even get through the door. Um, third, it, uh, it's uh, a saying that's been used a lot recently. If it's too good to be true, it probably is. So the reality of renting an apartment or a house in a Swiss city is that if it's extraordinary, extraordinarily cheap, be warned, be, be very careful, make sure you look at the apartment before you make your final decision, uh, if you can. And if it seems like strangely cheap, then be sure to read the description, call up and ask for more information uh, because yeah, there's, uh, there may be some things that you are unaware of. Fourth, always read the description. Um, even if uh, on the housing listings, it's a couple of sentences, always be sure to read it as there could be some things hidden in there that you need to be made aware of. Specifically, uh, if it says befristet or temporaire in, in French, pardon me, I'm not very good at French, uh, or it says it's for pensioners, you need to bear in mind that befristet means it's only available for a set period of time. So it will say befristet until the 1st of January 2024. That means you're able to rent the place, but you need to move out on the 1st of January 2024, which is possibly why the listings like that are often cheaper because you have a short term let and that kind of thing. And again, with pensioner accommodation, unless you're claiming your pension, uh, you're unable to apply for them as well. So important to read the, the description. Finally, uh, be sure to visit an apartment with a friend or family member. Uh, going to a house viewing alone, especially if it's a private viewing uh, in the modern day and age, unfortunately, that can't, it's unadvisable. Um, it's very important that you can see uh, you have a support mechanism there and it's also good fun. Um, I, I was looking for an apartment with my, with my sister for months in Zurich before we found the right one and it was always a positive experience because you always have a second opinion there, not only the protective part of it which of course I think, uh, think is very useful indeed. So those are my five. Perfect. Um, Alexander, anything to add to that? Not really, not really. Make sure you calculate that uh, you, you need you need to have some time uh, to find the right yeah. apartment and also that suits you need, especially with families. Uh, it's very important uh, that you have enough space uh, and also that the neighborhood is right. So uh, yeah, do some research about it and uh, make sure you also plan it in uh, with enough time. We're going to move on now to networking um, and we've got a couple of questions here as well. So Ion from Romania has asked us, what is the best way to integrate into Switzerland? Um, Alexander, if we start with you. Yeah, yeah. make sure you have a job. That, that's the very good start. Uh, also to uh, yeah, find a home, uh, set up a good bank account, uh, make sure you have also some spare money. Uh, moving to Switzerland can differ a lot, especially if you compare it to Romania, the costs are yeah, much higher here. Uh, make sure you also uh, yeah, learn the language uh, where you live, that helps out a lot. And also uh, that you go to networking events, uh, basically uh, organized. Uh, also sports, uh, quite interesting. Uh, and yeah, that's very short, but uh, that's it. <laughs> Perfect. And Jan, have you got any further thoughts on that one? 
sure, sure. I can definitely speak to, to a more social side of it. I agree that sports clubs and community groups are vital if you want to integrate into Switzerland. In fact, if you want to go all the way and apply to become a Swiss citizen, having evidence of your integration by being a member of a sports club, a community group, or even having uh, a specific card for a supermarket is counting as in integration. Sports clubs especially are very beneficial. So personally, I joined uh, a rowing club, uh, as you can probably tell by the poster there, I'm a fan of rowing. Um, and that really helped me integrate into Swiss society because it was a shared passion that hasn't got a language barrier. Um, and that's very important, especially when you're learning. Uh, and then my other piece of advice is, as Alexander said, learn German or learn French or learn Italian. Um, for one, it helps you integrate better into Swiss, into Swiss society. And second, if you apply to some that are offered by the council, so there are free courses offered in some councils, um, you will be able to meet at the expat community as well. Uh, because there will be a large group of people there learning the language for the first time, and it's fairly likely that they're in the same situation you are, which is already a good starting point in terms of the conversation and can lead to greater connections within the expat community. If you find yourself um, uh, not part of an international school or international community. And of course, there are a number of expat uh, websites. I'm expat, for example, uh, and a number of others where you can find events for English speakers and uh, get connected to the greater community. Perfect. Thanks, guys. Um, and we're going to move on now to insurance and healthcare. And I think, um, Alexander, you've got a question for us on that one. Yeah, Fatia from the Netherlands. Uh, she asks uh, what healthcare is provided uh, or available. And it's, um, yeah, healthcare is quite broad in Switzerland. Uh, you need a base healthcare, as Sian mentions, mentioned. Uh, so it, that's cheaper than, of course, the more uh, broad healthcare. Uh, but yeah, you, you, you can choose what you want to have in your healthcare or, often or not. Uh, you will also be consulted uh, by a consultant from a company which will help you choose so it also really depends of uh, what kind of medicine you need to take uh, if you wear glasses if you how often you visit a dentist the hospital etc mm -hmm. so uh, yeah and it ranges everything between 200 swiss francs up to yeah you you can make it as high as possible uh, i think mm -hmm. Cool. Uh, I think I'll, I'll briefly explain how the health insurance system works, because as someone who came from the UK to Switzerland, it seems like quite a strange system. So uh, it'd be good to explain. So as I've said several times now, really tried to hit the nail on the head. Every single resident of Switzerland needs health insurance, including children and uh, you are uh, and including babies. So the basic one that you need to you need to get is basic health insurance. This will guarantee you treatment for illnesses um, in Switzerland and abroad, up to two times the cost of what it would have cost in Switzerland. Basic health insurance guarantees you treatment, and the way it's paid is through a premium. So a premium is a set amount that you pay every year for your health insurance, and that is determined in basic health insurance by your age. Previous medical uh, conditions, uh, ethnicity, nationality are not considered at all when applying for basic health insurance and insurers must accept your application. They're not allowed to reject it. 
Um, the way that premiums are calculated for basic health insurance is you choose what's called a deductible. So a deductible is how much you pay for health insurance before the insurance kicks in. Better in this, in this sense to use an example. Say I have an injury that costs a total of 2,000 Swiss francs and I have a deductible of 500 Swiss francs. That means that I will pay the first 500 francs of the medical bill on top of my premium and the health insurer will pay the remaining 1500. Now, once that deductible is used in the year, that's it. The health insurer will kick in from there. Of course, with many expats, they may want better or more extensive cover. And for that, we definitely have supplemental health insurance. Um, that includes very exclusive cover from private rooms in hospital to gym discounts, dental care, which is not covered under basic health insurance, uh, and uh, more treatments and benefits, including things ranging from um, physiotherapy to psychologists and uh, herb, uh, what's it called, traditional Chinese medicine, TCM, uh, which is all covered by supplemental health insurance. Of course, with supplemental health insurance offering you more benefits, it will come at a higher price. Um, and also insurers are able to reject you and ask for more information to calculate the premium more accurately, let's say. So uh, yeah, that, that's just a brief overview of health insurance. And there's been a link put in the chat to uh, the, the ex more detailed version of basic and supplemental health insurance. Perfect. Thanks, guys. Um, and we're going to move on to education. So also from Fataya from the Netherlands, what are the different types of primary education is what she's asking. Um, and it might be good, Jan, if you could maybe explain a little bit further for, for everybody listening about the uh, secondary and further education as well. Absolutely. So as Alexander mentioned earlier, Switzerland is more a collection of 26 different states than it is a country at some points, and that can really be seen in its education system. So um, this will vary by which canton that you live in, but generally speaking, uh, primary education is between five and eight years long and starts at ages four to seven. Before you start that, it's usual that you would join a, a form of childcare service, so a Kinderklippe, as it would be in, uh, in German, before you enter the school system. Uh, primary education, as I say, lasts from five to eight years. And once again, generally speaking, uh, the French cantons spend longer in primary school than German ones. Um, once you leave primary school, you either go to uh, a middle school uh, where you will be able to continue your education from around four to five years, or you will go straight into what's called a gymnasium, so a grammar school in English. Um, the, uh, the one you join at that point would be long, uh, so it would be up to seven to eight years, once again, depending on the canton. Or you'll go into the apprenticeship system, which is very complex, but to summate, it will give you the skills to pursue a certain profession. Um, once you, those who went into middle school can then go either into grammar school, although albeit for a shorter period of time, or go into the apprenticeship system. And then at the end of your education, at either at grammar school or a gymnasium, as they would say, you would be likely to go into university. So that is your gateway to universities in Switzerland and abroad. Um, if you 
shared middle school to apprenticeship or apprenticeship directly, you're likely to go to what's called a college of higher education or go straight into the workforce. A college of higher education uh, gives you greater skills and greater te uh, technical know-how to pursue a certain uh, career. Now, before you think that apprenticeships are quite limiting, I would say that jobs from uh, ranging from banking, finance, insurance, construction, engineering uh, can all be sourced from an apprenticeship. It's also important to note that this is the reason why there are so relatively few university graduates from Switzerland, because the gymnasium system is a rigorous, regularly tested system where only the, the, the best come out and join, go to university. The rest are expected to do apprenticeships which is a good way to explain it. And it also presents an excellent opportunity for expats, as we said, because fewer people go to university, that means that with specialist jobs, as there are available in Switzerland, they need to be filled with expats and companies are looking further afield for that um, and will be more than happy to sponsor you because the job, the job, the job situation here is quite acute. Perfect. Well, thank you so much, guys. I think that's kind of covered over everything, um, kind of gone on a kind of well-rounded journey there. Is there anything either of you wanted to add in terms of kind of your personal experiences or any further advice you think we might have missed? Um, yes, yeah. Uh, I, I would say, once again, it's um, in terms of wanting to come to Switzerland, uh, I think that the process of coming to Switzerland, if you are a professional and you are a highly qualified person from either Europe or overseas, is a lot more streamlined than the process that I've described makes it up to be. Um, companies in, in Switzerland right now are looking for workers, as I say, a quarter of a million vacancies uh, by the last count, uh, which need to be filled from somewhere. So um, even though it seems like a long process, and it is, um, once you get there, you have access to arguably the, well, the highest quality of life in the world, uh, a competitive salary, uh, good, healthy quality of life, and a positive education system as well. So I would say that the bar is high, but the benefits are worth it. <laughs> Perfect. Thanks, Jan. And I believe, Alex, are you um, in charge of kind of answering some of the questions from the question box? Yeah. Yeah, I was just looking. Uh, there are some questions uh, regarding uh, yeah, cantons. Uh, Barbara asked uh, which cantons have lower taxes. Um, yeah, it is how you look, uh, because the lowest taxes in uh, Switzerland is Zouk. Uh, so it's right under Zurich. Uh, Schweiz is also quite uh, good for taxes, Zurich as well, uh, and also uh, Luzern. Uh, but keep in mind, uh, the cost of living is higher. Uh, so the apartments are much tougher to find there. Uh, and also it's much more expensive uh, to live there in general. That also depends, of course, on the local taxes uh, on the town or village uh, where you live. Uh, so yeah, be before you move somewhere, uh, feel free to do some research. That helps. And yeah, further on, pretty much we yeah answered a lot about it. Perfect. Well, thank you so much, guys. I feel like this has been really, really useful um, and and helpful to a lot of people. If there's anything we've not covered covered or you want to know more information about, let us know, um, and we we'll, we can kind of happily send up a round out or or kind of an email covering anything we've missed off. But um, yeah, it's certainly been a pleasure and and really great. I've certainly learned a lot. Um, so thank you both.
Thank yeah, you thank you very much. All right, take care. Thank you. Yes, goodbye. Thank Bye. you. Goodbye. Thank <laughs> you.